you know what's wonderful about being in a uh, spirit-filled church is um, And you can just you can just wait on the Holy Spirit to see what he wants to say next. You know, being that being that I, I know what is planned for the day because I talk to everybody's involved, but they don't necessarily always know. Then I watch the Holy Spirit dovetail everything together. Like um, I didn't know what Isabel was gonna say, but she talked about joy and it being and your sacrifice being from the heart. And that literally is where we're going to end up at the end of my message. You see, so it could be in pre-service prayer where I'm listening to people praying. I'm like, my gosh, that's my sermon. And then I'm listening to Isabel just doing the announcements and offering. I'm like, that's my sermon. Josh will go off and worship and he'll start saying something spontaneously. And it's like, Jesus is speaking to his church. Amen. I mean, he is alive and he is our God. And he loves it when his kids gather. And it's just so beautiful and so powerful. I, I just love our church. I, I woke this morning, I was praying for you all, and I was just thinking how much I love our church. I was at a prayer meeting last night. It was a UFC prayer meeting. We were praying that nobody got, would get hurt. That's what we do when there's a UFC event. We do the pay-for-you so that we can pray for them as they... That's kind of like, you know, right before you eat that, that jelly-filled donut and you, you pray that God would make it nur- you know, nourish your body. <laughs> I just love all the stuff. I was thinking about just all the, you know, just this last week. Just, I mean, there's so much activity. You know, last night's gathering was wonderful. I got stuck in the mud this week and I made a couple phone calls and some brothers came and got me out of the mud. Um, Embrace Grace launched last Sunday. The 26 women and a couple kids came to Embrace Grace, which is a new ministry. A new ministry that Adrena uh, has launched to, um, to minister to women who had unplanned pregnancies and walked through all the way to the, um, the, you know, the birth. And um, the youth are just having such great meetings, talking about the Holy Spirit, experiencing His supernatural power. And um, met with a young uh, man this week in our church here, a teenager that's just so hungry for God, just asking questions, wanting to know how to get closer to God. Wednesday night prayers are so powerful. Everybody's uh, welcome to Zoom prayer. Those those folks pray. I mean, if you want to pray, pray, there's praying and then there's, come on. Yeah. Pre-service prayer. Um, One of the young, one, one, you know, the gospel is about changed lives. That's, that's the bottom line. We can say it a thousand different ways, but it's all about lives being changed incrementally. Uh, in, in, what's incrementally. incrementally, thank you. I keep a lawyer on the front row because he's very articulate and he'll feed me words. And my wife's not here, so he can also correct my pronunciations, my grammar, and let me know when my illustrations aren't working. Hi, honey. Um, or, you know, moderate change or dramatic change. It, it doesn't matter. Jesus is in the changing lives business. 
And uh, one of the lives that has been radically changed is uh, Aiden, who's here on the back row over here. And Aiden, um, Aiden has a powerful story. Um, and, uh, you know, he goes to school with Josiah and he just started coming over to the house and just started asking questions about Jesus, came to church a few times. And then, you know, the gospel is the power of God. That's what the Bible says. The, the simple gospel message is the power. It is the power of God to those who believe it. It literally changes a person's destiny from hell to heaven. It's, it blows my mind. And uh, I haven't started preaching yet. This is just me talking to you. And, uh, and so... He, got, he gave his life to Christ. It was a couple of months ago, he came running up here at the end of the service saying, you changed my life today. I said, oh, no, I did not do that. <laughs> Jesus changed her life today. And then I started talking about getting water baptized. And he's like, okay, I'm not, well, I'm not sure when. And, and then we went to the Jesus Revolution uh, movie. All the youth went. And, uh, right, and, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people getting baptized in the Jesus movement. So right after the, 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 right after the movie was over, he was right at my chair. And I said, hey, what's up? I said, you want to get baptized? He said, anytime. <laughs> so, 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 so after church last Sunday, Josiah and I are up in my rec room and we're working out. And, uh, and Aiden was playing Xbox. And he just said, I want to get baptized today. I said, well, let's do it. So I called Pastor Josh, and, uh, and Farrah came, and Blake came, and Ava was there, and my wife was there, and Miss Brenda was there, and Josiah was there, and we got a little video of it right here. Check this out. Is Aiden getting baptized? Okay, we need some volume. you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woo! <laughs> Amen. Woo! Yes. All right. One down, 99 to go. That's our goal for 2023. So we're in a series called Restoration. Jesus spoke that word to me at the turn of the year for us, and we have been seeing restoration in people's lives in all sorts of different ways. But last week we started um, a teaching I'm calling Spiritual Restoration. We're going to continue it today because your spiritual life is the most important part of you. And your spiritual life affects your relational life, your physical life, your emotional, mental life. 
Like when people need to get out of depression or fear or anxiety or worry or stress, it's, it's your spiritual life that pulls you up out of that because it's your, God's a spirit and he made us in his image. And so we uh, are spirit beings. We have a soul. And we live in a body. And so when, when your spirit is not alive, you're not connected to God. Operating out of your emotions and out of your mind and out of your human capacity. And so the new birth, as Jesus called it, is when you get reconnected to God and your spirit comes alive, right? It's like the pilot light gets lit. And all of a sudden, you know, you have spiritual awareness. That's what the new birth does. And then it affects all the areas of your life. But there's something that is the kryptonite to your spiritual life, and that's called sin. That's what we started talking about last week. Sin is our enemy. And sin produces guilt and shame. And it, and it affects us to the core of your very being. And it affects your relationship with God. It affects your relationship with others. And so, last week we were talking about how doing good works does not get rid of your sin. That's the way I was raised. I was raised in a religion where you, you, know, you make a mistake, then you can do a good deed, and it kind of balances the scale. Right? And then you hope that when you die, you did more good than bad so you can get into heaven. And that's just C-R-A-P, okay? If I can just, I can spell, all right? And that, that, that is not the gospel. Amen. If you and I can get to heaven by being good people, then why did Jesus have to die on the cross? What was that about? If purgatory was a thing, then why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Okay? Like, so I, I didn't do the best job, so I get to go somewhere and spend seven years working off my sins so that I can then deserve to get into heaven? It's foolishness. The gospel is that you and I will never make it to heaven. Not a chance. We've all sinned. If you sin, raise your hand. I'm going to raise both hands and a couple of feet. All right? All have sinned and fall short of God's holiness. That, but he loves us so much he sent his son, who is perfect and sinless, to take our place On the cross, he died for us, and whoever believes in him shall be saved, saved. not might be, shall be. And if you have not received Christ as your Savior, you need to do it today. And as soon as you do it, as soon as you do it, God will completely wipe away your sins, and he will breathe his spirit into you, and you will become a son or a daughter of God instantaneously. It is a miracle, and it is a gift. And the day that you die, you will go to heaven. And the moment that happens, God then begins a restoration process in your life until the day you see him face to face. You are under construction. And some of your guys', some, some construction sites are a little worse than others. <laughs> but they're all bad. But they're all getting better. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you're getting better. Go ahead. Just say, you're getting better. Just say, you're not getting worse, you're getting better. And so we started last week, we started reading down Psalm 51, which is after David, King David, a man after God's own heart, uh, committed adultery and first degree murder, and he lived for an entire year with his guilt and shame that was crippling his spiritual life, his mental life, his emotional life, that finally God sends Nathan the prophet and uh, as we read in the message translation, it says it's better to have a friend that will slap you than anybody that will kiss you. And I said, that's why I said we need to have slappers in our lives, right? You, you got it because we're so good at rationalizing our sin. So you need to have a friend that will slap you and say, stop it. 
right? Those are good friends. And so Nathan slaps David and said, hey, wake up, King David. And so thank God that David's heart toward God was tender because he was trapped in his shame and guilt and self-rationalization. And it took God to send a, a friend to him to slap him. And David, you know, woke up from his, from his um, uh, you know, uh, insulating himself from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he confessed his sins. And God began to restore him. And uh, last week we, we learned in Psalm 51 how there were four different words for getting rid of your sin. The Holy Spirit will wash you and purge you and cleanse you and blot out your sins. And, and I was talking about how my wife, you know, got the stain out of my hoodie by scrubbing it and using this. And it was so cool. It was Wednesday night. Uh, the youth told me that there was uh, uh, somebody there that said that they, they felt like Mark, Mark said, okay, let's all get quiet and just let the Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to do. And then he says, okay, what, what are you guys experiencing? And one of the youth said, I feel like it was like a, like a toilet scrubber that was inside of me, just cleansing me and scrubbing me. I'm like, that was my sermon from last Sunday. The Holy Spirit will get that toilet scrubber and just get it all nice and clean. I wouldn't have used that illustration if it wasn't like real time, real life. But sometimes you need to be scrubbed. So today we're going to pick up where we left off. And because we left off right when the good part was starting. And that we, we did the conviction of sin, the confession of sin. And now we're doing the restoration, the spiritual restoration part. And look at where restoration starts. You're going to see what I was talking about with Isabel prophesying up here a minute ago. We left off on Psalm 51, verse 7. So now let's start with Psalm 51, verse 8, as David wrote the psalm about the confession of a sin. And it says, make me hear joy and gladness. He lived an entire year without joy and gladness because he was filled with guilt and shame. And he says, make me. You see, there's a God part and then there's a us part. I want to get to the us part today. There's three things you can do to maintain God's restoration in your life. But the restoration is God's part. You can't get your sins forgiven by lighting candles, lighting incense, going to a priest, coming to your pastor, being sprinkled with water, dipped in the river. None of that doing good works. None of that gets rid of your sin. The only one that can get rid of your sin is God. And he will. And then the restoration begins. And then he says, make me, O God. He knew where his joy came from. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Now, his bones weren't literally broken. He just felt like his bones were broken. Have you ever been so uh, laden with shame and guilt uh, that you just sucks the life out of you? You feel like your spiritual bones are broken. And that's when the devil will start talking to you. You'll never be the same again, right? You're on God's B plan, maybe even a Z plan, right? I mean, you've blown it so bad, forget about it, you know, and you just live in that. That's why you need to have a friend. That's why you need godly friends in your life. That will say, hey, snap out of it. The blood of Jesus is enough for you, right? You got to go, go to go to Rick and say, I need a sozo. I'm believing lies and I'm all trapped up in this prison. I need freedom. 
And we know he got set free because Psalm 32 is the correlating song to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is him talking about his sin and confession. Psalm 32 is the result of that. And look what Psalm, how he starts out Psalm 32. Blessed, that means happy. The word blessed means happy. Everybody say happy. Happy, happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed, happy, joyful is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deception. He was cleaned all the way down to the very core of his being. You see, once you receive God's forgiveness, the first trademark of restoration is joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. I love Isaiah 12, 3. With joy, everybody say with joy. You will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. Isn't that a great verse? With joy, you shall drink deeply. From the wells, not of the world, no relationship, no amount of money, uh, no entertainment is going to be able to cause a joy deep inside your spirit that only God's salvation can produce. With joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. This is why when people want me to counsel them, but they're not ready for the God stuff, I'm like, well, this is gonna, we're going to be here a long time. If we could just do the God stuff first, man. Some of you may feel guilt and shame today, but I'm telling you, God is ready to forgive you, restore you, and restore your joy. He goes on to say this. We're going to march down the psalm here. We're going to continue and finish it out today. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Now look, he had already done all that. He said, cleanse me, wash me, purge me, blot it out, restore to me the joy of salvation. And then he goes back to talking about cleanse me again. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to process it all the way out. Right? You confess it, you receive it, but you're like, I still got this residual shame in my mind. Even if it's truly forgiven, your soul is still processing the experience and the damage. That's good. It's kind of like mm, when my kids use a smoothie cup, you know, to make a power drink. And, and you know, you put the fruit in there and you put the, you put the banana in there and you put the juice in there and you put the frozen water. And then you blend it all up and you drink it and then you just set it on the counter. Rinse it out right away, right? And then it sits there all day long. What, what's that like by the end of the day? Got to get the scrubber out and start scrubbing that thing again, right? You got to scrub it until it's clean. That's what David's talking about. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all of my iniquities. Oh, man, this next chunk has got so much in it. Look at all this stuff. Create and be a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You got to create. You've got a clean heart. You got to renew. You got a steadfast. Do not cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your, one of my favorite phrases in the whole Bible, your generous spirit. I mean, I like going to I, I like going to um, Cold Stone better than Baskin Robbins. 
You know what I'm saying? I think Baskin Robbins, but they got that little tiny scooper, right? It's like it's a little, it's a little like little dollop of ice cream. It's a little round golf ball of ice cream. I thought, what is that? It's not generous. And how much are you charging me for that? Right? You go, yeah, you go down there to Cold Stone, man. They get that. Oh, right? Put it out there and rolling it out. Get some more. Right? And they give you that waffle cone and they shove it all in there. Right? It's, it's, we live in America. Come on. Give me give, generous, generous portion. I'm going to look at these little words here real quick, and then we're going to jump into the three things you can do to maintain this stuff I'm talking about right now. God creates this stuff, then we maintain this stuff. You see, God does the supernatural part, but we have a natural part that we are responsible for, or the supernatural part gets ruined. Create. Create in me a clean heart. That word create literally means create something out of nothing. It's the exact same thing when you're talking to those who believe in Darwin evolution. The problem with Darwin evolution, besides the fact that it's not true, is that you, you have to keep backing up. It's like, oh, well, where did we come from? Oh, we came from a Big Bang. Well, where, where did that come from? Well, that came from, well, where did that come from? Well, that started, well, where did that start? You got to go all the way back to the origin of things. And you can't prove that out scientifically because you can't make something out of nothing yeah but someone can capital s someone can make something out of nothing and that's exactly the exact same word used in genesis 1 1 when it says god created the heavens and the earth that word create there literally means made something out of nothing God can make something out of your life. I don't care how nothing you think it is, how small you think it is, how broken you think it is. God takes the most insignificant, broken, out of the way, discouraged, depressed, suicidal, broke. I mean, he takes, it's it's like his favorite thing. It's like a hobby. Let's find the most broken person on earth and do the greatest things through him. Yeah. Why does he do that? Because it brings glory. To, it, glory means a revelation of. It shines light on who he is. Amen. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. David was asking not for his heart to be uh, just like revamped. He wanted a brand new heart. And you know what? This was a foreshadowing of the New Testament when Jesus would come. And look what 2 Corinthians says, for anyone who gives their life to Jesus. Therefore, everyone say therefore. Therefore. If anyone is in Christ, he has joined a social club that we call the church. And, you know, you you can't, not everybody can be a member of it because you have to, you know, clean up just right. You got to walk right. You got to say hallelujah just right. You have the right translation of the Bible. No, this is not a club that you join. This is a kingdom that you get born into. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. If anyone is in, say it, Christ, he it, or she is a new creation. Same word. Something created out of nothing. Brand new. Old things have passed away. All things have become new and all things have, be, uh, all things have become due. Ezekiel. This is a couple thousand years earlier prophesied this that would be coming one day. I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. 
Now, you know, we're living in the day of this prophecy being fulfilled. Like back then in the Old Testament, they, 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 they prophesied one day human beings will actually be given new hearts by God. It won't be a do more, try harder religious system that you're in. One day after Jesus comes, the Messiah, and dies for your sins, raises from the dead, then in that day, which is our day, how lucky are we to be living in this day? And that day, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, their sins will be forgiven, and God will go, and he'll breathe his spirit into you. And you'll be born again. He says, in that day I'll give you, I'll take out your heart of stone and your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I love what Aiden said. Pastor Josh asked him after we baptized him, what has changed since you gave your life to Christ? He goes, you know, I, I used to, I hope I can say this, Aiden. You said I could. I used to be, he goes, I used to be mean to people. He goes, but, but now I care about them. <laughs> yeah. And Pastor Josh said, God gave you a new heart. And I was like, I could have had a V8. I didn't even think about that. That's exactly what happened. When you get born again, man, it's not like, you know, it's not like uh, uh, modifying your engine. You get a whole brand new engine put in your car. It's a new heart. I wish we got a new car, too. You know what I'm saying? Like the outer man's perishing, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. I want my outer man to be renewed day by day, but that's not happening. All right. But once you've been renewed, then you need what David asked for, and that is a steadfast spirit. It's one thing to obtain something. It's another thing to maintain something. Renew means refresh, rejuvenate, renovate, and restore to resume an activity after an interruption. What was the interruption in David's life? He used to be steadfast for God. But he got interrupted by his sin. And he was living in this guilt. His bones felt broken on the inside. He was oppressed and depressed. And he said, renew me. I need to be renewed, God. And only you can do it. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Look what the word steadfast means. Loyal, faithful, committed, devoted, dedicated, dependable, reliable, steady, true, constant, staunch, firm, determined, resolute, stalwart, stout, relentless. Were you angry at me when I gave you all these words, Chris? You had to put these on the PowerPoint. Did this take you all night long? Relentless, single-minded, unchanging, unwavering, unhesitating, unaltering, unswerving, unyielding, unflinching and uncompromising would you like that to be you well god can do that if it couldn't be done he wouldn't have prayed for it he knew it was available however everyone say however However. you have a part to play in this and so now you know we've come up from the beginning of oh god he opened the psalm oh god have mercy on me according to the multitude of your tender mercies Forgive me for first-degree murder and adultery. Hello? If God can forgive that, he can forgive whatever you've done. Unless you kill two people. Then I don't know. But as long... 
One of the theologians in the house just corrected me. He can forgive that too. (laughs) All the way up to God doing the renewal part. Now, how do you maintain it? Three things that you can do to maintain God's restoration, spiritual restoration in your life. I want to say this. I'm sorry, real quick. If you have not given your life to Jesus to be your Savior, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that by the time we leave here today. I want you to do that. God wants you to do that. You will experience the forgiveness of your sins and a peace that you've never known before. But you have to open your heart. You can't force it in there. Three things to do to maintain God's restoration. Number one, be smart. How do you maintain the work of God that he's done in your life? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be an idiot. Pretty much, yeah. Don't be stupid. I'm going to get real practical on you now, okay? God did the supernatural part. We've got to do the practical part. It's amazing how if we don't do the practical part, we can ruin God's supernatural part. He's given us that power. Look at Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart. Say that. Say, guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else, for out of it determines the course of your life. It's your responsibility to guard your heart. With what you listen to, what you watch, the eye gates and the ear gates go into your heart. What you're watching and what you're listening to is going into your heart, and it literally causes your heart to become whatever that's going to be, and then out of your heart flows the course of your life. It's kind of like when Pastor Mark bought his uh, Miata, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. When he first bought it, and... uh, we, we were going somewhere, and we ended up, I don't know, Walmart or Target or a restaurant or something like that. And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a front row, front, front, front parking space prayer, right? I'm like, dear Jesus, I know you love me more than anybody else. I want a front spot. And so these spots open up, right? And some of you don't believe in praying for parking spaces. Okay, well, Mary and I park while you drive around the block, okay? So... But Mark, I thought we, I thought we, we miscommunicated because he's driving away from the restaurant and he goes all the way out to the end of the park, like a quarter mile from the restaurant. And he gets out of his car and I'm like, what are we doing? He goes, well, I, you know, I don't want what, you know what he's doing, right? Huh? He's guarding his idol. Guarding. Yeah. So he doesn't want anybody to ding his precious Miata, right? Well, your soul is more precious than Mark's car. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mark. I know you disagree, but listen. We've got to park our souls as far away from sin as we possibly can. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Jesus said, if your eye is evil, if you're looking at evil stuff, your whole heart will be evil. The psalmist said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a young woman, to lust after her. The Bible says the eyes of the greedy person will never be satisfied. You can't keep feeding the fire and expect the fire to go out. Here's another great piece of advice. I'm going to just give you three or four pieces of be smart stuff, and then we're going to go to the next point. We're on the be smart, okay? This one has to do with your friends. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. I remember when I was addicted to pot and, uh, I just, I had to smoke it all the time. And 
one day I was in, I got stoned and then I was went into my prayer closet. And the Lord said, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, when you smoke pot, you strengthen your flesh. And when you pray to me, you strengthen your spirit. You're strengthening both sides. You know, you're going to go insane. Like you can't win. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm strengthening both armies. Right. And so I decided I'm not, okay, done. I, I was spiritually hungry. I wanted to get close to God. He was saying, well, pot is, is causing you, your flesh to want to go that direction, and prayer is causing your spirit to want to go this direction. And so I decided I was going to stop. And so then I would hang out, but I hung out with my same friends. And we're sitting in the living room, and everybody's sitting around, and they're passing the joint around, and they get to me, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I quit. And of course, you know, they're not the friends I need in that moment, right? Because they're like, oh, ha, 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 ha. And I, no, really, I'm not going to, what do you mean? Oh, no, because, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus. And they're like, oh, no, God created all the plants. <laughs> you heard that one? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he created the weeds, too. It's all good, man. I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And then I would fall, right? And then I'd go back into it. And it's like, and then they would tell me, you know, oh, you're being extreme. You know, you're being religious. And was, I, at one point when I kept falling in, I realized I'm hanging out. I need a new crew. That's why you've got to have godly friends in your life that are going follow. You can't say, I'm going to follow Jesus and hang out with all my non-Jesus friends. If it's, if it's to lead them to Christ, yes, but don't fool yourself. It says, do not be fooled. Isn't that what it said right there? Do not be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. God can do a work in your life, and you can hang out with the wrong people, and it can ruin the work. All right, here's another good piece of advice. Watch your anger. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger is not a sin. All the men were like, thank God. Because that's like our emotion, right? That's like, that's our only emotion, Mark says. Wow. Sorry, Shell. Let's pray for Shelly right now. That's the only emotion Mark has. It says, resolve your anger before the sun goes down. Because it's going to turn into wrath. And, and it says you'll give a foothold to the devil, right? So we're talking about, you know, practical stuff. Guard your heart. Don't hang around with the wrong friends. They're going to lead you the wrong direction. Don't let your anger turn into wrath and bitterness and cause you to sin. Here's another piece of advice. This has to do with unforgiveness. This is practical stuff. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. Paul talking to the Corinthian church who were restoring a brother back into the fellowship. And then he says this regarding unforgiveness. So that Satan will not outsmart us. Remember I was talking about be smart? We're on the be smart, smart point? Well, Satan is smart too. Did you know that? He's been, he has been manipulating mankind for at least 6,000 years. You're not like, you didn't come on the scene and Satan's like, wow, impressive. <laughs> this one's probably going to outsmart us all. 
No, man. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. That's all he's got, and that's all he needs because it's still working. It worked on Adam and Eve, and it's been working on you and me ever since. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the three temptations that Adam and Eve sinned with, and it's the three temptations that Jesus overcame in the desert, and he became our Savior. He says this, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. That word schemes means his strategies. Satan literally strategizes your demise. Like he actually like has a, you know, a, a drafting table with a blueprint on how he's going to take you down. Unforgiveness is one of those ways. Uh, here's the last piece of advice we'll do for be smart. This one won't seem practical, but it is. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. So be careful how you live. Don't be like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I wonder what he's actually trying to say there. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you might say, how's that practical? Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, let's go back up in the verse. You'll be careful how you live. You won't like act like a fool. You will be wise. You'll make most of every opportunity. You won't act thoughtlessly. You will understand what the will of the Lord is. And you won't get drunk with wine. That's what happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why it's practical. David knew that the Holy Spirit was the strength of his life. When he was a teenager... Samuel, the prophet, came to his house, anointed him with oil, which is a sign of the Holy Spirit, and said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. Then it says, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. I say that pretty much about every scripture in the Bible, but I don't love them all. Josiah and I do Bible bingo on Monday, on the mornings before he goes to school. I just throw the Bible open, and I just go like this, and I say, here's your scripture for the day. And sometimes it's like, may leprosy never leave your household, right? It's like, he's like, I want a new one, Dad. <laughs> it's like, nope, that's your scripture for the day. The scripture, one of the, my favorite scriptures, it says, the spirit of the Lord rested upon David from that day forward. David knew that the Holy Spirit was the key to his life. That's why he goes on and says, do not take the Holy, don't, don't remove me from your presence and do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Now, he may have been thinking of how Cain was removed from the presence of God and how the Spirit was removed from King Saul, which is the king before David. And he's saying, don't let that happen to me. Now, for the New Testament believer, thank God Jesus says the Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever, ever leave you. However, We can quench the Spirit, we can resist the Spirit, we can grieve the Spirit, and we can blaspheme the Spirit. So let's not do that. All right. That's a whole teaching, which I can't do today. Number one, how do you maintain God's restoration in your life? Oh, I got three disciples. Let me try that again. Okay. How can you maintain God's restoration in your life? That's the way you get me to move on. Okay. Number two, be humble. It's amazing how you can just be like the most broken sinner on earth. God restores you, 
And it's pride. Spiritual pride is so insidious. It like, before you even know it, you're like, you know, you haven't read your Bible in a year, but now you're reading it every day. And then you come upon a, a Christian like, eh, I don't really read my Bible. And you're like, <laughs> isn't that so true? Oh my gosh, spiritual pride. You fast and you pray, right? And you see your brother or sister over there just like just hammering down three burgers and four fries and a milkshake. And you're like, how unspiritual, right? <laughs> like, wow. I remember when I was so broke, I couldn't pay attention. I was in business. We were going, did you catch that one? We're going under. And then, and then God turned it around. And our, and our business here in San Diego prospered. I was a top salesman in, in the nation, but it wasn't by my talent. It was by pure, I mean, we were going under. I'd already proved what I, what I could do. God raised us up. We were on television, we were in magazines, our testimonies going everywhere. It was just, it was awesome. But then I was at church and there was a brother that couldn't, needed $100, couldn't pay his rent. And this thought went through my mind. How pathetic. I know. We're so human. I was like, he can't even come up with 100 bucks. I was like, so you know what I did? I emptied out my bank account on purpose. I gave it all to the church. You should do that too. I gave it all to the church. <laughs> if you want to be spiritual, I'd say, you know, that's your call. That's your call. <laughs> because I wanted to purposely jam myself up so I could feel what it's like to be dependent on God again. Because I had become self-sufficient because he had prospered me. Prosperity is the worst thing that can happen to your spiritual life. It doesn't have to ruin you, but boy, it can. That's why Jesus didn't say it's hard for a rich person to get into heaven. It says it's hard for one who trusts in their riches to get into heaven. Can I hear an amen? Amen. you got to stay humble. Pride will make you think not only that you think you're better than others. This is a lie. It'll... You'll think, well, I, I, I will never fall for that again. Yeah. If you believe that, it's coming sooner than, than you think. Right? Look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. I love this. Cultivate God-confidence. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. In other words, nobody, nobody understands. Nobody. Hey, we all live here too. We're all human. We all deal with the same temptations as everyone else. He says, everybody's, they said, all you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He will never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. And I want to say your flesh is no competition for the tempter. And, and even, even Jesus knew this. Jesus, the Son of God, in the Garden of Gethsemane was tempted to do His will, not God's will. So He cried out to God. The book of Ephesians, or book of Hebrews says, he, he, with vehement cries, He cried out to His Father. He even asked His three best friends to come pray with Him because He said, I'm so depressed, I feel like I'm going to die. Jesus said that. He called us three best friends, but they just fell asleep. So he's alone. Sometimes you'll be alone, but God's there. And God says it sent an angel to strengthen him. 
Jesus in his human state, sinless but weak in his human state, cried out to his father, God, I need your strength. And an angel touched him and strengthened him. He'll do the same for you and for me because we're all his children. And we all need his help. Moving on, Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. I love that. And then the last one. Okay, what was the first one to maintain God's restoration in your life? Be smart. Secondly, be humble. Gosh, we could do a whole series on pride and humility. Stay humble. I know Pastor Mark one time said to me, um, his pride is what caused some uh, destruction in his life. And so the Lord said, he, he, the Lord, tell me if I get this right. The Lord said, there's a scripture. It literally says this. You can either humble yourself or you can be humbled by the Lord. And so Mark decided from that day forward that he was going to find ways to humble himself so that he would not be humbled. Is that accurate? Yeah. 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 Once you've been humbled, you will take the other track. <laughs> You can fall on the rock and be broken, or the rock can fall on you and be crushed to powder, Jesus said. It's, it's better to fall on the rock than let the rock fall on you. Okay, so the third and last point is to be ready. Be smart, be humble, and then be ready. Be ready for what? Be ready for God to use you to restore others. Like Aiden again. I'm going to pick on Aiden today. Aiden called his sister. I gave my life to Jesus and I got water baptized. Well, she said, I want to get water baptized. So she's coming down here this month, right? At the end of this month. And we, you and I, are going to water baptize her together, right? You see, restored people restore people, healed people heal people right? You don't have to see, he hasn't gone to seminary. He doesn't have a PhD in systematic theology. He, he got saved and he got water baptized. And that's enough for him to turn around and say, Hey, you need to get saved and water baptized too. You see, you take a step forward. You can help somebody else take a step forward. I'm preaching good today. You know that, right? Okay, Psalm, okay. So be ready. Psalm 51, three or 13, marching down the Psalm here. Then He says, then, David says, then, after you do all this stuff in my life, God, you restore me, then I will teach transgressors your ways, not I will judge them, I will teach them, and sinners will be converted to you. That word converted literally is the same word for restored. God, you restore me, I promise you, I will help restore others. You see, once you've been forgiven, of your sin, you know what his mercy feels like. And so then you're able to give mercy. It's the person that hasn't admitted their sins yet that are all hard-hearted and arrogant. But once you've been broken, I told my, I was driving down here with Ava today, down the hill to church, and I told her, you know one of the great things about getting older? She said, what? I said, you, you have screwed up so much that you just kind of get used to it. And it's like, you know, you make so many mistakes in life, you just don't stress out so much over your mistakes, right? It's like you don't have to cover up, pretend, pose, right? It's like, no, I blew it. Again, God forgive me, right? 
And you're able to give mercy out because you've, you just you finally come to realize you're not all that in a bag of chips. You're just you. God is all that and the bag of chips, and he's invited us into his pantry. All right. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 says this. If anyone belongs to Christ, there's a new, crea- a new creation. The old things have gone. Everything is new. This is the part we didn't read. All things are from God. Through Christ, God made peace between us and himself and gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace that we can have with him. God was in Christ, making peace between the world and himself. In Christ, God did not hold the world guilty of its sins, and he gave us this message of peace. And I'm going to close up with these last couple of verses. Not only are we to bring those who have never come to Christ to Jesus and have them restored to God, but when you see a brother or sister who has fallen into sin, trapped in an addiction or whatever, look at, well, look what Paul says. In Galatians 6, 1-4, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and what? Humbly help that person back onto the right path because your turn might be next. And be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Be careful, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. You know what happened this week? My son Sam parked, you know, we, you know it's been raining, right? So Ramona flooded. So Sam couldn't park in our parking lot because it was flooded, so he parked in the grass. Well, his, his, his little Ford Focus, you know, his wheels are spinning. Dad, I got stuck in the mud. I'm like, Sam, well, he, I have an SUV. So I'm like, Dad will come to the rescue, Sam. It's all good. So I drive my SUV, my SUV, and I, and I back it up to his car, and I'm going, ring, 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 ring. And I'm like, well, I bought an SUV Sport. It's a wannabe SUV, right? And it's not a four-wheel drive. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So then I text Chris Jordan. He's back there doing the PowerPoint today. And I say, Chris, man, can you help out a brother? And he goes, yeah, all right, because he's got an F4 250. So he's coming down my street. I could hear him from a half mile away, right? Go, 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 go. He comes, and he backs up into the mud. Now we have three vehicles stuck in the mud. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay out of the mud. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about today. If you want to maintain God's restoration in your life, stay out of the mud. So then we call Pastor Josh. I said, Pastor Josh, can you pull three of us out of the mud? Remember, the, this is the verse right here, right? Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly, oh, I got an F-250, I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah, huh? <laughs> Chris is like, oh, this is how you play it, huh? Uh-huh. I will never help you out again. You're going to throw me under the bus while you're preaching. Help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the mud with him. Share each other's burdens. So Josh comes and Josh, like, he's like, what am I going to do with my four-cylinder? Right? He's got this little truck, but he borrows his father-in-law's truck. And he comes down the, I'm coming down the street. And he stayed on the main road. 
He stayed, he stayed on the main road with Jesus. And he was being smart. But, but were you being humble? Because I saw, I kind of, I saw. Oh, that's true. You did. You restored him, and then you restored me, and then, and then you. Yeah. See, see how that works. That's the body of Christ. Share each other's burdens, and this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Galatians six. Some of you would say, I don't have a right to talk to somebody about their sin because I've done the same thing. No, that actually gives you, that gives you insight. If you come at it with humility, you have insight to their bondage because you used to be bound by the same thing. Or it feels the same because bondage is bondage. And you come with humility and you say, look, I know what that feels like. I know what shame feels like. I know what guilt feels like. I know what feeling like a loser feels like. I know all that. And listen, God restored me. Yes, Mark. Mark, Mark has something. Well, I, don't have, uh, I don't have something, but Gary had something. He, he came and uh, said, I need to speak to you for a minute. We went to the back, and uh, he has a word that he wants me to administrate. So uh, I think he's right in this word. The sense that he has very strongly is that there are a number of people here who, um, during the course of this message, are under great conviction, really feeling that sense that there's something significantly wrong in your life, in the category of something you can't get free of. The, The image that came to me as I was praying over his word was trapped. You come here feeling trapped, that there's something you can't overcome, and it's controlling your life, and you don't know how to get out of it. And Gary said there's an opportunity for repentance, which is the heart of this message in many ways. There's an opportunity for repentance to bring this forward and get right with it, confess it, and then receive the empowerment of God to break out of that trap. Mm, mm. And this is a heavy thing to talk about. And uh, it's awkward in every way. But I believe that Gary was right in his discernment in that we can, we, we ought to have just a, a time right now of repentance where we can bring to the Lord something we feel trapped about. And I also see in my mind's eye, and this is the awkward part, more than just we talk about this and then we pray, but that remember the be smart and be humble, do something about it, actually take an action, do something about it, and the humility part is admitting that you need to do something about it, and the invitation i 'm giving to you now is that we have a time of repentance, and if there is something that you feel you 're trapped in that you can 't get victory over and you and you legitimately feel that conviction today i'm not trying to stir up conviction in you you understand only the holy spirit can only the holy spirit can do that but that you have a sense there is something in my life that's really out of this is not good and i can't get over it and i need help that's the being smart revelation and then the humility is 
to come forward and let us pray for you. There'll be no admission of what it is. There'll be no confession of, forgive me, Father, this is what I've done, blah, 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 blah. Just be, that's between you and the Lord. But to receive prayer and have someone lay hands upon you for the power of God for forgiveness is a wonderful grace. It's a wonderful mercy. Okay, so, so if we can yeah. do that right now. Let's do it this way. Thank you for that, Mark. Uh, David ended the prayer with saying, hey, if you wanted sacrifice, I would give it to you. But what you want is a broken and a contrite heart. This you will not despise. And that's the sincerity part that Isabel was talking about at the beginning of this message. That we could give our financial offerings. We could set up chairs, break down chairs. We can go to pre-service prayer. We can do our connect groups. We can do our outreaches. But if it's not from the heart, a sincere love for God, then God doesn't want it. He wants our hearts, then our hands. So Mark's talking about the heart piece, and that's why I reserved communion for the end of this message, because I knew, I hoped we would end up here. Yeah. And Mark Myers is going to lead us in communion. So, But I, I would say, Mark, why don't you come up, and we're not going to do that yet, but we're going to get ready for it. And I want to say, and I'm going to be the first one that's going to come up front. If you want to join me, if there is something in your life that you want to let go of, if there's something that's been dogging you, dogging your tracks, something you've been struggling with, something you need free of, then I just want you to come join me up here. And we're going to come to the Lord together. And we're going to let the Lord do a cleansing work as we come and repent. And then he's going to do an empowering work. And we're going to walk out of here restored. So, Josh, so let's, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. So I'm coming up. and then communion will be the celebration of what we've done and the, and the empowering that follows for freedom. So I'm going to give you one more chance, anyone that wants to be a part of this. It's humbling, but don't miss the opportunity. Really don't. <laughs> when the Lord orchestrates something like this, it's because he wants to do something really good. Freedom is the word. Freedom is the word. We get to become free get to become free. Yes, we want to welcome the people online into this right now. If you're watching and you have that sense of conviction in your mind and in your heart, just stand up in front of your computer and you're joining us spiritually and you're part of this this transaction that's going to take place between yourself and God. Now close your eyes if you would. And I want you to take a good look at what you're ashamed of. Face it honestly. See 
that habit, see that thought, see that sin, whatever it is, just see it for what it is. Now see Jesus on the cross. horrible, but he's hanging on the cross. And he looks at you and he says, give it to me. Just give it to me. Give it to me now. And give it to him. Just hand it to him. I don't want this anymore. I don't need this anymore. This has no right to stay with me. I want to be free. And I'm sorry for giving it a place in my life. I'm sorry. But I want to be free. Take my anger. Take my unforgiveness. Take my addiction. Take my pride. Take my manipulation. Take my selfishness. Take my self focus. Take my anger. Take my unforgiveness. Take it, Lord. Now see him take it. See him take it into himself. The Bible says, He became your sin. sin so that when he dies your sin dies if you're here right now and you haven't accepted his gift of his death on the cross for your sins, if you haven't accepted that and you need to be free, then give yourself to him right now. Say, Jesus, you can have my life and I want yours. And I accept what you did for me on the cross. Every one of us right now who's receiving freedom, every one of us is accepting what he did on the cross for us right now. Not just for salvation but for innocence restored and sin broken and freedom established. So accept that right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Make real forgiveness. Make real forgiveness in in our lives right now. Give us that forgiveness. Make it real to us, Lord. Pronounce us free. 
break the power of sin and selfishness and pride and stupidity. Break the power, Lord, so we receive everything you want us to receive right now. Now say yes to him. Yes, thank you for the gift. Thank you for what you're doing for me right now. Thank you for the freedom from this. Thank you for the forgiveness so I don't have to live in shame. I don't have to always carry the frustration of this. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, restore the joy of your salvation to us right now. The joy of your salvation that comes from knowing I'm washed, I'm clean. I don't have to carry this anymore and I don't have to live in shame. Restore the joy of your salvation, Lord. You paid for it. Jesus, you paid for it. Now, Holy Spirit, give us. Give us that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now give us the righteousness, the peace, and the joy that comes from knowing we are completely forgiven. Our standing with you is 100%. Your acceptance is complete. Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us with the love of the Father, the forgiveness of Jesus, and the power to say no. You have within you the power to say no. No to the selfishness. No to the manipulation. No to the shame. No to the pain. No to the self-hate. You can say no to it. Anytime it tries to rise up, you just say no. This was paid for. This was done. This has no power over me anymore. I'm free. You're free. You're free. Now you get to live free. You're free. Now let's celebrate right now the blood and the body of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate that. Make sure you have one of these and start peeling back the little plastic film. Okay. So a lot of you know, and if you don't, you're about to know, that the Lord's Supper or communion was commanded by Jesus. He was with his disciples on the night he was betrayed. He was in the upper room with them. And there are a couple of things he said to them. One is he said, we're not going to do this yet, but we'll do it in a minute. He said, this... He took the bread, he broke it, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup of wine, and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. A lot of you may know, he was celebrating the Passover, the Passover meal with his disciples. The Passover is a commemoration and a memorial of God's deliverance of his people, deliverance from centuries of permanent, cruel, crushing bondage that they could not deliver themselves from. God came to his people's help and aid, and he saved us and helped us. Also that same night was deliverance from death. God's people were told, slaughter a lamb, put its blood on the doorpost of your house. The angel of of death will pass through the land, but it will not be able to cross that blood. 
it will have to pass over your house. It cannot touch you. It, will it may touch other people, but it won't touch you. The blood will protect you from death. You, you will be saved from death. That new covenant prof was prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah, who said, here are the terms of the new covenant. I will write my law, says God. I will write my law on their hearts and their minds. They will be my people and I will be their God. They will all know me and I will forgive all of their sins and wash away all of their guilt. Jesus, speaking of himself, he said, the bread of heaven, the bread that comes down from heaven gives life to the whole world. And he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger again and whoever believes in me will never thirst again. So let's go back to that upper room when he was with his disciples. Let's think about the, the bread. After dinner, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body given for you. All of you eat it. So let's do that. And after dinner, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. So as we partake of this, we partake of that new covenant. Let's all take it. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are to us and all that you are for us. Yes, God. We receive you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we sing gratitude to God.
in the Holy Spirit and get your prayer language. Some of you need maybe a devil cast out. Some of you need physical healing in your body. Some of you maybe need to give your life to Jesus you never have. Um, we, we always have prayer teams up front at the end of the service to continue on what the Lord is doing and all sorts of amazing things happen. I was talking to a teenager this week who was raised in church and I said, what's caused you to just catch on fire? He said, when I got prophesied over. You know, that means when they pray over you and then the Holy Spirit starts saying things that are supernatural that nobody could know. So how do you know that? It's called prophecy, words of knowledge that it changed his life because you, you, you experience the power of God, the supernatural power of God. But here's my testimony. I hurt my back yesterday and I, I, I could not walk. I was shuffling around the house. And it was so pathetic that my son Josiah put on some hip-hop rap music or something, I don't know what it was, to, to give music to the way I was walking around the house. This is the, this is the kind of empathy I get in the Ator household. I'm walking around the house like this, and he puts on... <laughs> and uh, I, I, I got it this morning. I could not get out of my seat. I couldn't sit down. I couldn't walk. And Hope says, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go preach the gospel. That's what I'm going to do. And I came here and, and Jerry prayed for me. And then the pre-service prayer people prayed for me. And a couple other people prayed for me. And I'm over here, even before I got, came up here to preach, like getting out of the seat. I was like, oh, I'm walking like this, right? I was over there just praising with you guys. I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute. So I started doing this. I was like, wait a minute, what? Then I sat down and I got back up. It, fe- it feels a little sore, and that's all. I mean, that's awesome, man. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Wow. And many of you saw the way I was walking, so you know this is legit. I was at your house last night. That you were in bad shape. 
This is incredible. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so if you need prayer, you can make your way up front. Um, the band's going to play, but they're going to play very softly so that when we're praying for people, we can hear what you're saying. We can pray. But we want to keep the music going at a very low because music is spiritual. And it keeps the Spirit of God moving in the place. So if you need prayer, slide out and come on up here. Maybe you need a little extra work. You want to push a little farther. Prayer teams, please move out from your seats and come up forward here so people can see you when you come up. And uh, otherwise, look, next Sunday, Dennis is going to be in the house. You don't want to miss Dennis. He's a revivalist. He's a prophet. It's going to be powerful. God bless you guys. What a great day in the house of God.